Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome, folks, to Cutscene Saga, the podcast where we discuss the stories of video games. We're kind of like a book club. Each month, we choose a new game and gather some friends to talk about it. So this month, I'm joined by my good friend... Jenna, Jenna Burbeck. Welcome, Jenna. Thanks for coming on the show. I'm happy to be here. We're we're super happy to have you. Yeah. So, Hmm. as we usually do, we will get to know you a little bit with a few questions. Okie dokie. Which I sent you... In advance. Yes, I've been churning them in my anxious yeah, brain. Agreed. It's great. Um, so what's the first question? The first question, which don't worry, nobody's been able to answer this succinctly. No, I'm ready. I've got an answer. Oh, you, you I'm, do? I'm going to just beat you over the head with it. Oh, it's good, great. good, good. Yep, you ready? What is your all-time favourite game? Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, I have two. So childhood. Um Okay, maybe more than one. Okay, I was going to beat you over the head with it. No, no. Um, I was a, so ready. You were so ready. As a child, um, we were a massive kind of Nintendo household. That's the way that we swung. Yeah. That was our thing. So the Super Nintendo, I was madly in love with Yoshi's Island with a real storybook kind of aesthetic. Yeah, and a good one. Yeah, yeah, that real kind of clangy 8-bit kind of music and I was just really into it and I was just playing for hours and hours and hours. So I just loved it. Um, so I'm really into more that kind of kiddie platform game as my nostalgia kind of go-to. Sure. Um, I also, when once we got a Nintendo 64, so we sort of upgraded up that console, um, my brother and I didn't bond over much really as kids but we really would play video games together and we got a lot of longevity out of the uh, 007 the golden eye game so yeah we would play multiplayer for hours and hours I think it was a bit like my brother wanted to play it and I was the only one available to play with him but no it was cool no we sort of bonded over that and fought and all sorts of you know stuff and then after that, it was perfect dark. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. where you got to be the little alien guys because yeah. they were a smaller target. So so I did a lot of multiplayer as a kid, but not so much into the multiplayer anymore. So that's kind of games I played as a kid that were favourites, but I'd say all-time favourite game, definitely Dragon Age Origins. Oh, what a coincidence. What a coinky-dink. Um, so, yes, that's like a big part of the reason why I'm here today because I could just talk Dragon Age forever and ever. Excellent, good, and so could I. Yeah, as as we proved before recording, when we spent yes. a lot of time talking about we things we should have s- done on mic. Yeah, spent all of our good material. Yeah, but I we'll really hope not, because <laughs> we've got four weeks of talking about Dragon Age. Mm. So we'll be right. I suspect I already know part of the answer to this question. Mm-hmm. What game story affected you the most, and why? Um. Well, I would say. Building on the Origins, Dragon Age Origins thing, I would say that that really resonated with me because it's probably one of the first um, RPGs that I really connected with in terms of I felt connected to the player that I had created. And so I really felt like her journey was my journey 
and I was really sort of living it with her. So I'd say that just the whole storyline of Dragon Age Origins just really gripped me. But um, more recently I was playing Horizon Zero Dawn, which I absolutely love, and I was really just taken by the hand by that game and I just felt the need to just squeeze all of the story juice out of that game because I just adored the the kind of mystery plot that was happening. And it's kind of rare for me to really enjoy a main plot of a video game. I usually kind of find different details that I like and kind of go after those little bits. Um, but the main plot of Horizon Zero Dawn just really gripped me and the mystery of it and trying to sort of piece by piece find out what was happening. Yeah, and that's a really good like science fantasy game, which you don't yeah, get a lot so of. Good. But I'm yeah. really into that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I didn't warn you I was going to ask this question, but I thought it might be a nice one to ask at Ooh, this point. I'm scared. Okay. So you're talking about how you connected to your Dragon Age origin character. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming you've created quite a few different origins characters, quite a few different playthroughs. But who is your OG like character? What Ooh, origin? Head cannon. Yeah. I love talking head cannon. It's great. Um, well, actually. Origins differs from Inquisition for me, Dragon Age-wise, because I quite often will just play Origins kind of the same way, whereas DA2 and Inquisition, I am more willing to experiment because I'm less invested in the main character. Sure. And so I kind of just want to, when I play Origins, I kind of want to revisit the story that I loved, and so I tend to play it quite similarly. Um, So my headcanon, I suppose, Warden, a hero of Ferelden is um, the Kusland, yeah, yep. human noble storyline for yeah. sure. It's a good origin story. Yeah, it's just really cool and really heart wrenching when you kind of leave the the manor and you're leaving your parents dying on the on the you know pantry floor and you know all you've got is your dog and this strange warden guy called Duncan who you met five minutes <laughs> ago and it was all quite distressing and I've seen a lot of really fantastic fan art because I think that really connected with the the fan base the fandom as well. So yeah. there's just some really great fan art out there that just kind of encompasses my feelings about those sorts of scenes yeah i mean both in in origins and in inquisition the human noble sort of origins are often the only ones where you're not any kind of outsider Mm. you know you're always a marginal you know if you play a canary or a dwarf or an elf or a human mage yeah you're this sort of outside unknown person yeah yeah so yeah i always feel like the characters are more connected to the story when they're the the human nobles yeah yeah and you're sort of familiar with the the character the human noble origin there are sort of familiarities in the the way that the npcs interact with you as well like i think king um kaylin is like aware of you that you're turn kuslin's daughter and you're like well, can you do something, mate, about the fact that, you know, Al Howe just went and killed all my family? And he's like, yeah, yeah, we'll do that after Ostagar. And then, of course, boom, thanks for nothing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and even things like when you go to Redcliffe, um, Van Tegan will, again, sort of recognise you as, you know, a, a prominent kind of member of the nobility in terms of you will grow up to probably, you know, marry a noble and be a part of that kind of social, um, economic kind of a political system. So, yeah. Well, and I mean, that's the only origin story where you can fully become queen by marrying sure. Alistair. Yeah. yeah, and I find that really interesting that, that you are in your own right 
kind of a, a legitimate player in terms of they will just be prepared to, I guess that's really a, an elitist and privileged place to be. So it's probably quite problematic that that's where I'm comfortable. But, um, you know, I've played, yeah. yeah, I've done other playthroughs. Actually, now that I think about it, the first playthrough that I ever did, I'm not sure, sh- I did go all the way through because I was an elf. I was probably like 20, 19 or 20 at the time. And I was a Dalish elf and I romanced Alistair and I was really upset at the end that he wouldn't make me his queen. Yep. Um, And that's one of the reasons why I then kind of switched to that. I was like, oh, surely you can be the queen. Surely. And I looked it up and they're like, oh, you can only be the queen if you're a noble human. And I'm like, well, okay, let's give that a go. And so I booted up, made a new character, did the Coosland origin and just, fell in love with it because I was like, wow, I just connect with this so much. Like I just really love the story and how yeah. it's all set up. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, this this last question ties in a lot with what we've been talking about, but I guess it's a two-part question. What initially made you want to play the Dragon Age games mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and why are you here today talking about them? Why are they so important? Right. Love a two-part question. Um, well, the, the first part's really quite simple. Somebody pushed me into playing it. Somebody kind of recognised that I liked fantasy. I wasn't massively, and as I said, it was one of my first RPG games. Um, I played a bit of Warcraft, World of Warcraft before then, but not really in a I connect with this character that I have made kind of a way. And so my, my then partner at the time, so my, my ex-boyfriend kind of gave it to me and said, you know, let's play this. And we sort of played it a bit together and there was a bit of like, I need the Xbox because I need to do this bit and no fair, you had it last night. And it was sort of back and forth because we were both really into it. And, yeah, no, yeah, basically that's it. Somebody pushed me into play. It's a bit like Game of Thrones. Somebody, it's actually the same guy, my ex, <laughs> gave me Game of Thrones, the book, and said, you will love this. And I read 10 pages and I'm like, I'm not super into it. And he's like, keep reading, you will love this. And so yep. then I ended up on like the ground floor of that kind of movement, I suppose, um, where Game of Thrones is great and everybody is obsessed with it. So yeah. I actually had a similar thing with, with playing Origins. The mm. first time I played it, I didn't get any further than Ostagar. I just didn't really click mm. with it very much. I felt like I couldn't really get the system. I didn't really right. understand how it worked. I wasn't super invested in the story. I was mm-hmm. like, what the hell is a Grey Warden? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I saw a lot of like buzz about it online about how good this RPG is. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, I'll push through it. I'll keep going. And then, yeah, once I got to, I think it was probably the Urn of Sacred Ashes quest okay, following yep. Arleman's plotline. That yep. was when I was like, oh, this is actually like a really good high fantasy storyline. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Did you find you were um, kind of a bit not sold on it at the start because of maybe the controls as well? Were you used to something else and that kind of was different for you? Yeah, I think particularly because... I was playing it on Xbox 360. Uh-huh. and Me too, yay. It, yeah. <laughs> and it felt very much like it had been designed for using a mouse. Okay. It felt a lot like those kind of top-down isometric mm-hmm. RPGs, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like Which the, fair, the old fallouts. Because it, yeah, yeah. it kind of was as well. Exactly. Sort of yeah. Um, no. Even just, it sounds silly, but things like the camera angles, I felt like I was more separated from the characters than I was used to. Right. Particularly okay. because I played Origins after playing Mass Effect, which mm-hmm. I love. I adore Mass mm-hmm. Effect, the whole series. Mm. 
and people were saying, oh, Dragon Age is like Mass Effect for fantasy instead of sci-fi. Yep. And so I started Origins and then I was like, oh, this is nothing like Mass no, Effect. This is okay. not what I wanted it to be. Right. No, yeah. I do agree with that about the camera angles because in comparison, um, that's something I think they did a lot better in the in the um, games afterwards is that they kind of improved that experience of yeah. kind of getting in there and seeing what the character sees rather than being kind of weirdly hovering back a bit. Yep. Um, Which so, yeah. is always it's always difficult when it's a, a third person mm. um, viewpoint rather than literally looking through the character's eyes. But yeah, I yep. think. Dragon Age 2 did it okay and I think Inquisition's done it really well. Yeah, and I think they're just getting better and better with things like that, like how you showed me um, some God of War last night, which I think I really want to get into that based on what I saw in the way that the camera moves and that it's quite organic and like getting less jerky. So we've been talking a lot about Origins. We're technically <laughs> here to talk about Inquisition. but We debated you know, that though. We could have done Origins. Yeah, yeah. But okay, sure. The games follow on from each mm, other. Mm. It's all part of a shared world. So particularly this first episode this week when we're talking about the world building and the, mm-hmm. the setting, it's going to be the same. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. So one of my favourite things about the Dragon Age setting is that that is literally its name. Thedas, the D-A-S, the Dragon Age setting. And that was like, like a shortened version they used in the <laughs> mind blown. Yeah, you just yeah no, I did not know that. Yeah, did not pick up on that. So I was like, just like, what a cool name. Yeah, so like that. Um, that was like an internal thing they used in development. Right. And then they were like, well, why not? Let's just make that the name of the world. Like it's a cool name. Okay, cool. Maybe I need to do a bit more research. <laughs> um, no, did not know that. Yeah. Cool. No, no. The thing about Dragon Age is that. That happens all the time. The, the the franchise is just so dense that there are so many things that you can think that you're the biggest and most knowledgeable fan about Dragon Age and then somebody else will say, oh, yeah, and I was doing this and this and this happened and then I, I saw this character and you think, hang on, what? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Hang on, what? Yeah. And that actually came up. I remember we were talking about uh, Inquisition, some of our kind of initial kind of responses, reactions to the setup. We were talking about Cullen. Yep. And you were telling me, oh, hey, you know, they've done something different with Cullen. And I said, oh, you know, I like that Cullen character. And you're like, yeah, but he's different from the previous games. And I went, he was in the previous games. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And that's because I have only done that mage origin once or twice right. in Dragon Age Origins. I, I don't tend towards being a mage and so I haven't really done that origin thoroughly enough to know the name and yeah. remember, recall to memory every single minor character. Whereas, like, I almost always play mage. That's that's always my kind of yeah. my headcanon OG Exactly. Character. And so that, that part is very memorable for you and that just happens with different fans. They have bits and pieces that, it, that are more important to them and yep. so they, you know, have that better in their recall. And, um, yeah, it just happens all the time, to me at least. Maybe I'm just a terrible fan, but... <laughs> uh, I think I think everybody does. I, I certainly do that. There was stuff... Um, stuff I learned playing Inquisition that were parts of of Origins and DA2 that I just had never, never heard. I'm really keen for the next Dragon Age because that's going to be set in... Tavinta. 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 Which is always yes. this like, it's this 
they're the the looming cloud on the horizon. Everybody talks about Tavinta. Everybody's scared of Tavinta. Yeah, yeah. And we're finally going to go there. Right. I know yeah, that's going to be cool. Mm, for sure. Yeah, because most of the games, even in Inquisition, most of the locations are in Ferelden. Yeah, that that is true. But uh, I, I really did like that. For me, it kind of felt quite half and half um, with that dualism, that Ferelden and Orlay thing, yeah. particularly with the the map. The yeah, how how, how it's literally split yeah, literally down the middle. split down the middle by that yeah. mountain range, and you can't really see anything kind of north of that. You know, tip of the free marches kind of line. Um, so for me, it was very much in my mind that you kind of – and particularly how you have to like switch the arrow yeah. like over the screen to yep. be doing operations in Ferelden and then you have to sort of switch back to have a look at what's going on in Orlais. I did find that kind of Orlesian angle really interesting and I'm really glad that they still stuck around in Ferelden because, you know, being an Origins diehard, um, that is kind of the, the place that, that sort of, dare I say, it sparks joy for me. Um yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, it was really cool revisiting um, Redcliffe, seeing how Redcliffe's yeah. grown in 10 years. Different, different. Yeah, very different. You can't really map new Redcliffe to old Redcliffe. You know, no. you, it's not one-to-one. It's not exactly the same. Yeah, no, and I did notice that. I was sort of trying to look for the spot where in Origins you kind of take that that stand against yeah. all those, you know, unending waves of skeletons and things that keep coming from the lake and... Yeah, no, I, I didn't sort of, as you said, find anything that would map on top of that. But I could kind of see, you know, it's 10 years later and it's obviously a different kind of angle maybe in which you're kind of approaching the village and it's fine. Yeah, yeah. It's fine. I always find myself, I really want in Dragon Age to visit, I mean, I, I, I suppose you do in with Kirkwall in DA2, but to visit a big city. You know, to yep. to be able to walk around this big open because you know Val Royale is supposed to be this massive, beautiful yeah. city, yep. and you get to visit like one street Tiny in the marketplace. Yeah, yeah, yep. No, it's so pretty though. It is pretty. Yeah, I revisited that recently, and I was just struck by how pretty it was, and just just sort of started trying to angle the camera like into the distance and looking at the the scenery in the in the backgrounds yep. and stuff. It was really well done for sure. Yeah, and seeing the difference between. Val Royale in Inquisition versus Denerim in Origins versus Kirkwall yeah. in DA2. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's hard because so much of that stuff is so well done in Inquisition that it just, it always just tugs on my heartstrings that I just so want an Origins remaster. Yeah. And that is just the one thing that my heart desires um, to sort of take those kind of developed um, graphics and just, just, make my favorite game that pretty yeah and i mean i've um i've recently been playing origins with a lot of mods on it mm-hmm. uh, so it mostly brings in a lot of assets from da2 into yep. into origins which i was trying to do exactly what you were saying i've, I've been yeah. trying to build yep. this exactly uh-huh. as i as i want it to be so you know there's a few things we get the the gray warden armor from yeah, yeah, I'm so jealous. DA1. I love that armor. Yeah. If I ever did a cosplay, if I ever committed my time and tried to develop my skills into doing a cosplay, um, yeah. don't think I'll ever go there because I'm just too much a perfectionist and I don't think I have the skills. Um, I just would definitely do that grey worn armor. I just adore it. It's really yeah. cool. And yeah. like I brought the canary heads into DA1 for mm. so that Sten has Sten horns. Sten has horns, yes. Yeah, because yep. that always, like the canary are my favourites. I love the canary. Mm-hmm. 
I um I find it really hard to play Inquisition and not play as a canary. Yep. Yep. Um so yeah, it was like I was I was saying to you earlier, I actually didn't know that Sten was not human when I was playing Dio One. I thought Canary was like like a, a nationality. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize that he like and it, and I I play it now and I'm like it's so obvious he's like eight feet tall. But yeah, yeah. Know. Well, maybe maybe they hadn't sort of quite. Oh no, you said that they wanted Sten to have horns, yeah. but but they just couldn't then map the helmet onto him, which is just a really stupid reason yeah, not that's to do that. Such but a bad excuse. <laughs> yeah, so they obviously did know that that's what they wanted to do. I hate criticizing my favorite game. Let's stop. <laughs> 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 oh dear. No, it's good. Um. So yeah, especially when you're talking about origin elements kind of revamped it was just such a thrill to see some of those characters come back in your Leliana and Morrigan and um if you had the world state for it the Alistair as the warden or Loghain yeah well sure whatever (laughs) (laughs) you can see where my head cannon swings in that in in that particular I quite like having Loghain as my warden in Inquisition because then it's like he gets to sacrifice himself to atone for the sins and Hawk gets to live and Hawk gets to live Hawk will get to live because if I have Alistair but I just love having Alistair (laughs) but um yeah if if I have Alistair then Hawk dies it's it's over no see you later sorry Hawk yeah so one of the things that I mean you kind of we kind of touched on this earlier when we were talking about the human noble origin one of the really cool things about Dragon Age that has, it's brought into, I think, all of the games so far is this kind of socio-political aspect. Mm. Like the the hero of Ferelden, the champion of Kirkwall, the Inquisitor, they're all like major political players and you get to yeah. make some really, you know, I mean, you can change who rules two of the most powerful nations in yep. Yep. in Thedas in the first and, sure. and third games. I think I think Bioware kind of almost regrets giving you so much choice in Origins because they've had to build this whole Dragon Age keep um, thing, which we can talk about in another episode, I think, because <laughs> yeah. that's a whole thing. Um, but basically they had to build a whole part of a website essentially to manage the players choices that they made essentially in origins you know there were a few in in da2 in DA2, yeah but i mean you you look at the dragon age keep tapestry for yeah. origins versus one for da2 and it is so much bigger so much and you deeper. have to remember like did i and save I, that character or did i you know find that magic sword or oh gosh i can't remember whatever there's one i, I think it's I can't, I can't remember if it's da1 or two but it's like did you save felsey and I'm like, I don't think I have ever encountered a character <laughs> by that name. In who the f is Felsey? Yeah, who is Felsey? I should probably Google it. I'm sure it's on the wiki. <laughs> yeah, and that's it. If you're interested, the information is there. Yeah. A wealth of probably more information than you really <laughs> wanted to know. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, one one of my favorite quests in Inquisition is um, what's it called? Wicked eyes and wicked hearts and yeah, wicked eyes, lines. wicked hearts. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love that in any game. I love the parties. I love yeah. the, yeah, you get to take a break from all mm-hmm. of the craziness. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that, because, you know, Leliana talks about the game, yeah. which is this whole um, Elysian political mm-hmm. maneuvering. Yeah. yeah. And ha- actually being able to participate in that after having Leliana talk about it is so cool. Yeah, yeah, especially the dancing with the Duchess. And you'll, you see, you can tell I'm Adelaidean because I go dancing, <laughs> we're dancing. Um, 
so we're dancing with the Duchess and uh, just how you get the court approval for the different yep. options that you select. And, of course, you need to select the real, like, answering a question with a question kind of cryptic, you know, responses, which are so, you know, stylish and fashionable and, you know, the court's going to approve of that kind of answers. Yeah, so. and it, it was one of, the, one of the few times in the series where I felt like the choice of what to say actually made a difference other than a yeah. flavour thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yep. And I mean that that that's a good example of that court approval system of the because I mean Dragon Age setting Thedas is full of inequality. Mm. So like you start at the at the ball and you get like plus ten points if you're human, but negative ten points if you're a mage, negative yeah. thirty points if you're an elf, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all that sort of thing. And it's like, yep, they've just quantified how discrimination works in real life and applied it to this ball. <laughs> Yes, Bioware, good job. Just, just, just let's just densify, yeah. you know, the, the world's issues into something really simple, but sure. Yeah, you're right. It's really about the conversation, really, and it's probably one of the few settings slash quests slash missions that has kind of a time kind of, it might be, might be kind of, digging into my my need for approval like my psychologist might want to know about this but um you know that kind of court approval yeah ticking down when you leave you like climb up that that planter and you go into those sort of secret doors and yep. you know poke through libraries and find the you know the scandalous documents and things but the court approval is just like ticking down little by little but I'm also really obsessed with like searching and finding everything constantly and just mashing that button down I play on PS4 and um yeah, I actually find it quite nerve-wracking that I'm like, I've got to find all the things, but I'm but I'm losing approval every second. I must, you know, get all this done and then climb back down the planter and, oh, gosh, there's a Halla statue over there. I must, I must obtain it. I hate those Halla statues. <laughs> I think that is the part of that mission that I despise is the Where Halla statues. Where are they all? Jeez. I, I mean, I could know. find out the information is out is there. Online. But I can only ever find, like... Not quite enough yeah. for what I need, and I'm always like, "But I need to open this door." And they're like, "But you only have Halla statues to open that door or that door, and that door has the locket that you need to convince Celine that Briala actually still cares about, or the other way round." <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I can never get them together. Anyway, I'm just like, "What's the what's the like real life application?" Mm. Like, mm-hmm. I can't imagine Empress Celine <laughs> running around the castle hiding these Halla statues. <laughs> before the party just in case she needs to access her secrets during the party. And there's one like the rafters in the oh, staff I hate that kitchen. One. You have to like jump and mash X at the same time to grab it. I didn't know it existed until I was actually like, I need to get in this door. So where the F is another Halla statue? Yep. Oh, wow. Wicked yeah. eyes, wicked hearts. It's yep. very, very different. Very cool. Mm. Yeah. And it, I'm really interested to see whether, because obviously they, they can have quite different, outcomes you know you change who the emperor is yeah, potentially for sure but will that affect da4 will that affect da4 yeah, is because, the big question for every choice that yeah, we make because yes. there was the lands meet in origin which is the same sort of thing it's mm. that big political maneuvering mission yeah, yeah. but does that really make a difference yeah in dragon age 2 or 3 not really yeah and it's like you've said previously you can kind of tell if 
well, they can they can fix it, like how they kind of fix that Leliana can die in Origins because, of course, she's going to be in Inquisition yep. because she's a key person. That, you know, you can tell if a character isn't going to be important in the next game if you have the option to kill them. Yep. Because that's kind of the wheels churning and going, oh, well, pre-planning, you know. And so I know that uh, you want to talk a lot about Krem. I do the, love in Krem. The, in the character episode, we're yep. going to talk lots about we're Krem. We're going to talk about Because Krem. he is great. Yep. Um, and, yeah, the, the unfortunate fact that, that he can croak um, means mm-hmm. that we unfortunately may not see him. I was really keen for Krem to be a party member mm. in DA4, particularly because he's really good. Winter. Yeah. And we do have a lot of party members like yeah. in Inquisition. Like there yep. are loads of them. Yeah, But then again, I mean, uh, <coughs> Mass Effect 3, your party can look very different because mm. those characters can die in, in other games. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, Garrison and Tali. Yeah. It's funny. I think we should actually acknowledge that we are kind of shared Bioware diehards in the fact that I am, I think we can fairly say more of the Dragon Age kind of fanatic, yep. whereas you just adore Mass Effect. And I, I like love Mass, Mass Effect. Effect. And obviously you like Dragon Age, but yep. but we kind of are in that kind of standoff where we're like, Mass Effect is better, Dragon <laughs> Age is better. No, you're wrong. No fair, you're wrong. Cool. So, you know, (laughs) basically cards on the table. Anybody listening, I am your Dragon Age um, ride or die bitch. (laughs) (laughs) And I love Mass Effect. Don't at me. (laughs) Yep. But we're supposed to be talking about setting. Yes, we are. We're talking about setting. Sure. We're talking about how I like fantasy settings and you like space setting. True, true. And it is a fantasy setting. It's a very hardcore high fantasy yep. setting like sure. it's got very little in common with the real world mm, mm. um but again like most fantasy it i guess it uses its elements as like a like a metaphor you know yeah sure particularly we've got this whole system of magic and the mage templar thing yes yes i knew um, we wanted to talk a lot yeah. about magic as a as a sort of core part of the setting yeah and how that affects everything else for sure particularly i mean less so in the first game but Dragon Age 2 is all about the lead up to the Mage Rebellion. Yep. Dragon Age 3 is in the aftermath of the Mage Templar War. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, it's that whole thing of, again, like we were talking about literally quantifying discrimination yep. of these people being born with an ability that, that they didn't ask for, they didn't choose, and yep. being locked away and imprisoned and potentially mm. um, made tranquil, which is like Dragon Age version of a lobotomy yep. because yep. of it. Mm. And there are more kind of traditional representations of discrimination in the game, particularly the elves and how they were enslaved slash, you know, downtrodden and all of that. So that is still there, but they've kind of added something different with the magic that is accessible and it becomes um, what's a better name than generic? I don't I don't know in that. Like, like, Like you mean it's sort of easy to identify with? Yeah, yeah. It's not particularly about race. It could be like insert insert oh, thing here yeah. that you can be discriminated yeah. um, gotcha. against. Yeah. So like magic could be, could be a metaphor for disability or being yeah. queer or being a person of colour or whatever. Yes, yes. I could yeah. put my intellectual hat on and talk about otherness. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which, yeah, Dragon Age just leans really heavily into magic yeah. being the new otherness mm-hmm. that, you know, you're not, you don't choose it, you're born with it. You can't, you know, give it up unless you may tranquil, which is... 
awful. Just, yeah, yeah, just horrifying. Yeah, and I mean, my my most recent playthrough in Inquisition, I'm playing as a uh, like a circle mage. Basically, I'm I'm mm. I'm kind of playing as Vivian, more or less. You yeah. know, I'm pro circle, pro Templar, but I'm a mage. Yeah, and and a knight enchanter, and yeah, it's really interesting to see that from that perspective of like Vivian, she doesn't see it as oppression. Mm. She sees it as actually we are dangerous. Like this yeah. isn't a matter of human rights. This is a matter yep. of, of the safety for all. And you do really see that um, because in my most recent playthrough, my refresher, I just, well, I was really trying to piss off Solus to be honest, because I thought that was funny, but I was trying to piss off everybody really. Piss but off the I'd, egg now that we know that we hate the yes, egg. Yes, yes. Um, hmm. So I just told, I told Cole to bugger off. I just said, I am deciding that you're a demon. So demons are out. Get the F out of my damn Skyhold castle. And, you know, suddenly, you know, the, the scroll um, on the side just uh, Solus greatly disapproves. Of course and, he does. And Vivienne actually supported me. It was like Vivienne approves. And it's because she is very anti-demon, you know. She understands that, that mages do have that susceptibility to being um to being possessed because of their connection with the fade and um it's a very different take on it's just the complete opposite of anders essentially yeah 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 she is she's she's the the complete um yeah you're right like it, it i do think it's a bit of a shame they're not in a game yeah. together they they would have a smackdown for the ages yeah. vivian and anders well, wow. i mean i suppose Anders, if he survives, could be back for DA4, but mm. I think a lot of people killed stabbed him. him. Yeah. Killed him. I don't I don't kill Anders. I like Anders. The only time he I had killed... had a cat in Awakening, so yeah, he's, he's he my did. people. <laughs> of course, he can die in Awakening and then he comes back for, for Dragon yeah. Age 2, so mm-hmm. it doesn't really make a difference. Mm. Um, yeah, I think the only time I really killed him was I was romancing Sebastian, and Sebastian ah, was okay. like, if you don't kill him, I will, like... Bring yeah. my Starkhaven armies down to bear upon you. <laughs> oh, I was like, Sebastian. okay, babe. Wow. Yeah. A- angry Scottish archer. He was really good at the ultimatum, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Really just manipulative. I, I had decided to romance him and then I got like two thirds through the story <laughs> and I was like, I really hate this guy. Yeah. Like, I just I don't want to be in a relationship with him. Yeah. Well, he was kind of like. I thought he might have been my sort of, you know, video game character type yeah. too. And I was like, oh, I must get this DLC and I must, you know, check out Sebastian. And then, yeah, I did the same thing. I was playing with him in my party and I'm like, you know, you're kind of a dick. I'm, yep. yeah, not not into this. Sorry. I would have swapped him out for Talos from next. the DLC. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, and I mean, you know, talking about... You can't really talk about the Mage Templar War without talking about the Chantry. Yes. Which is, you know, such a massive part of the setting of the world building of this Yes, we definitely world. need to talk about the Chantry as kind of this massive... Well, I, I think of it in a very... Because I'm not religious myself. I think of the Chantry as being more like an international body rather than like a church. Well, obviously it's kind of representing the Catholic Church yeah, essentially. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, the divine is the Pope. and you know, Yeah, yeah, and the, it's got kind of the standing army and the Templars and they did crusades. I mean, exalted, exalted marches. marches. Yeah. And the Inquisition. Exactly, you know. Yeah. Um, but no, no but, you're right. They're more like a... 
they're almost more like the UN in how they operate. Yes, exactly. They're about That's what I was... international peacekeeping mm. and, yeah. Mm, everyone kind of all looking to the divine. And then, of course, there being the divine and the black divine, the black divine which is like yeah. a whole other thing. Exactly. Um, was that even really touched upon in previous games or is that like a new thing? Yeah, I, it was one of those things that you might know about it if you read If you were really hardcore yeah. into your codexes. Yeah, um, cool. And obviously, again, DA4, we're going to Tevinter, so the mm. Black Divine is going to be... A thing. Is going to be a thing. Yeah. He's going to be there. And, I mean, I don't know what what it's like with the Black Divine, but, I mean, the White Divine is from the, the Olesian Chantry mm. and she's almost more well no she is more powerful than the Elysian empress or emperor depending on how you play the game yeah for sure yeah Mm. which makes Leliana and Cassandra I mean they're like they're literally as high as you can get in in international politics for sure which is kind of hilarious that in my refresher you know playthrough actually I should say that my refresher playthrough was quite fun I didn't finish it, but it was quite fun because I took the concept of being from Mass Effect, like a renegade shepherd, <laughs> yep. and I sort of tried to um, make that into my Inquisitor's kind of goal in life that I was going to just be mashing that renegade button whenever I could. Yep. So you don't get that many options to be really horrible because as an Inquisitor, basically you kind of have to help people. Yeah, you just be grumpy about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's hilarious when you say that Cassandra is so powerful because I got her so angry that she just, there's a scene where she's just so blind drunk because she just <laughs> regrets forcing me to be the Inquisitor so Aww. much that she just can't deal with it. Poor Cassie. Yeah. <laughs> I still, uh, I recently did the scene where you realise that she loves reading Varric's trashy romance That's novel. so good. I love it. I love so her. Oh, good. As a genre fiction fan, <laughs> I just really want to like give her a hug and say yeah. genre fiction is just as valid as literature and just, just letting her cry it out. Yeah. Like it's fine. Like like you're no less valid as a fan of books if you like genre fiction. It is okay. And I love that um, I'm pretty sure Bioware recently released Hard in Hightown. Like they released a book oh, as if it's written yep. by Varric. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um which I mean, as you know, uh, as a writer and editor, I was just I loved that Varric was such an important character in the series. Yeah, to have yeah. this this author. Mm. No, it's very cool, very cool, and it's almost like taking a codex entry just to its absolute extreme in writing a yep. book. <laughs> yeah. uh, so good. One of the things that really strikes me when, um, and 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 I've thought about this a few times when playing games like Dragon Age or reading books like, say, Game of Thrones, is how the there's never any technological progression, yep. which I think is probably because of magic. Mm. Because when you can do anything with a mage, why would you need to invent electricity? Yep. You know? Yeah, yep. And so th- uh, that always really fascinates me as a concept, like this kind of stagnation because of magic. Mm. You're right, you're right, because, I mean, the civilizations are thousands of years old, but they haven't really done really the industrialization no. thing. They just the the really exception haven't. is the Canari. The Canari who abhor mages and will will lock them away and kill them if they can, yeah. they have invented gunpowder. They have cannons. Of course they do. Yeah. 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 So they have all of these things that mm. um, the rest of Thetis is like, what the hell is this? How, how Like this powder explodes. Is it made of lyrium? Is it used... Does it use magic? What is it? Yeah, that's really interesting. 
Although if I wanted to go off on a slight tangent into other things that I love, um, a series that does um, progression in a world where there is magic is Terry Pratchett's Discworld. Yes. Yeah. Because that did go through um, towards the end of his series before he passed, rest in peace, I will cry forever, is that his series in particularly in Ankh-Morpork, they had that industrialisation, particularly with the steam trains coming in and that kind of steam power becoming quite – making the city quite Victorian sure. rather than where it was more kind of medieval to start with in the early days of that series. So it can be done but yeah. I think it's really valid that you're saying that maybe even Bioware intentionally have not gone with a road where they've progressed the, the kind of core technology because – yeah, you're right. It is kind of that magic. Magic will kind of supplant that need to invent out of necessity. Exactly, exactly. There's no pressure to invent. And, I mean, you kind of read the codex entries and talk to people about the history of, like talk to people in-game about the history. And so the game's set during the Dragon Age, which is the ninth century after Andraste. Uh, like Andraste, who is like magic jesus jesus slash joan of arc yeah she has a real yeah, joan of arc does. thing happening as well but yeah. i mean you look at the history of what happened at her time and it was exactly the same the magic was the same the yeah. weapons were the same mm. yeah there's been no progression since then i suppose one of the things that has happened over those thousands of years is that the the elves have kind of risen and then been enslaved and have just faded away into this kind of state where they're half remembering their history and so the Dalish, as Solus points out, and you kind of trust Solus on this because he was there, um, that the Dalish are kind of play acting at being old elves, yep. that they're kind of doing things but getting it wrong. Yeah. Um, well, I mean like that, was it the the Velaslin, I think it's called, the tattoos? Yeah, the Velaslin, I think. Yeah. yeah. I just love that, that he's like, um, you realise these are slavery tattoos, right? Like, this is a like you you've taken a bad thing yeah and using it as oh this is our culture this is our history yeah which yeah. is such a fascinating thing such mm. a fascinating take on it mm. and of course yeah that's I think that's probably going to be the major part of DA4 isn't it it's the elves it's Solus trying to to restore the elves to glory by yep. tearing Bringing down, down the, the veil. veil tearing down the veil can you imagine Sarah <laughs> suddenly having magic she would just be beside herself yeah. wow yeah, yeah we're going to talk about Sarah for we are sure. going to talk about Sarah in character sure. week mm. okay so I think I think we've got a pretty good overview of the world. Yes, um, we have discussed the setting of Dragon We Age. have six, episode one successfully done. Ooh. We will be back next week. We're going to talk about the actual plot of Inquisition. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So thank you for coming on the show, Jenna. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We'll see you again next week. Yes. Thank you as always to our fantastic producer, Zane C. Weber from That's Not Canon. If you want Thanks, to... Zane. Yeah, thank you, Zane. If you want to follow... Cutscene Saga, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at Cutscene Saga. Or if you want to talk to us at length, you can email us, cutscenesaga at gmail.com. We'll see you next week. Hold up. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.